another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. I'm doing so today from a scorching hot tent <laughs> right off the field um, in Ashburn. We just got done watching, what is today, day or day 10, practice day 10, whatever it is, of the Washington football team's training camp. Um, just talked to our friend J.P. Finley with NBC Sports Washington 106.7 about the things that have been going on around here. We'll get to that interview in just a second, um, but I wanted to, to, to get this podcast up and going. Um, what is it? Green Day tonight. Hopefully that works out. So I uh, want to get this podcast up and talk to you guys about what's been going on out here. Of course, if you want to check out the podcast, you can do so wherever you want on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else you do your podcasting. And of course, make sure you check me out over on The Athletic. Uh, we've got this a 50% off offer. I honestly think it ends Monday. So just if you're interested, uh, just keep that in mind. Click on one of my articles to join. Um, so JP and I talked about uh, we've the defensive backfield, um, the roster battles, the potential lineups, the guys that have stood up uh, for us. We, we, we got into the Troy Apke of it all, uh, Jimmy Moreland, and some others. So a fun conversation there. We also got into Ron Rivera's um, attitude and what it says about um, the, the, the vibe that it passes down to the rest of the team. And, and we got into a few other uh fun topics about camp as well. Um, I just wanted to address a couple things here at the top and then we'll get to um, we'll get to JP. Um, so first off, Ron Rivera gave us an update on uh, Curtis Samuel, said that um, so so today was the first day we've seen Curtis Samuel in person and by in person I mean he was physically in the space but he wasn't actually on the field. He's still on the um, he's still on the COVID list but clearly he's about to get um, you know, he's, he's on the verge, I guess, of coming off it, and they're getting him acclimated um, there. Uh, here, here's what Ron said about Curtis Samuel. Uh, quote, there's no timetable for Curtis. He's been in the system. He knows it. Yeah, you'd love him to catch a few reps maybe in the last preseason game, but we're not going to rush him out there. He's coming back. He'll be healthy. He'll be ready to roll. But we're going to ease him back into it because, again, he knows the system. He'll pick it up again very, very quickly, and it'll be it'll really be about – him building a rapport with the quarterbacks. Uh, thanks to uh, Nikki Jabala for transcribing of that. Um, so he says it would be great to get him back for the, uh, get him a few reps in the last preseason game. Well, the last preseason game is what it is. I mean, there there is a gap this year between the last preseason game since there's only three this year and the regular season. So even if he only gets in that game, it's not like the, the week one is you know seven days later. Um, they'll have some time. But that said. You know, he is new to the system. I know he's not new. Well, let me rephrase it. He's not necessarily new to the system, meaning the Scott Turner offense, because they were all together in Carolina. But he is new to this quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's new to these other players, uh, other than his friend Terry McLaurin from Ohio State. And he's a guy, like, he's lined up all over the place, right? He's going to be outside. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be in the backfield. And there's no reason for alarm just yet. Um, but at the same time, you would like to see him out there because he's such a unique piece. And, you know, if he's really going to be only going to be out there for maybe a couple of snaps in the last preseason game, then, you know, that's not going to be a lot of run time for this team to, to get, uh, to get together. Um, by the way, the fact that he, Ron is saying he could get some reps in that last game. I mean, I guess in theory, there could be no starters in that game and you could just throw Samuel out there with whoever was playing at quarterback. But, you know, that could be a sign that we may see, 
some starters even in that last game, um, which, again, seemed probably likely, but we haven't gotten that far um, just yet. Ron Rivera did say today he exp- he'll, he'll use starters uh, Thursday against New England. Kind of said with Fitzpatrick, he'll be out there as long as he's needed. So, uh, you know, it could be a series, could be two, but uh, probably not much more than that would be my guess. Um, at this point, which is a, a logical thing, you know, you would imagine, um, for sure. So in any event, we'll, we'll see about De- about um, Curtis Samuel when he's getting back. Matt Ioannidis was was also not practicing today. Now, he's been back with the team since he came off the COVID list last week, but he has yet to actually practice with the team. Rivera said he was dealing with an illness today. It doesn't sound like it's a COVID issue, just a standard illness. So he... Um, wasn't out there. Um, Shaka Tony wasn't out there. Casey Tuhill as well. William Jackson, though, was out there. He had, he sat out the Friday practice at FedEx Field uh, with a Charlie horse and a, a thigh contusion, but he is, um, he is back out there. So with Samuel set to come off the COVID list, the only player left would be uh, offensive tackle David Sharp. There was seven players on that list last week. Now they would be down to one at the point that the vaccination rate, uh, the percentage of players getting vaccinated is going up. So things are trending in the right direction for Washington on that front. Um, I mentioned receivers. I guess I'll just uh, note that, uh, you know, obviously beyond Terry McLaurin and Samuel, you know, it's interesting to see how is it going to play out? Who are going to be, you know, not just who's going to be receivers three and four, but who's going to be receivers five and six and maybe seven in terms of making the team um you know i think deami brown has been much more of a playmaker the last few days of camp uh today he he he, he had some nice plays as well he's got the he's got you know the really good speed um and he's a he's a crisp route runner uh, i had a story up on the athletic a few a couple weeks ago I talked to a prominent um nfl scout evaluator and you know he thought deami was a real steal thought well, you know he for him he thought he could be Sort of in that you know high second round range, compared favorably to, to Rashad Bateman, who the Ravens took in the first round. Um, and I, I I just like Deami Brown. He spoke to us today um, at the podium, so to speak. And you know he just has a lightness to him. He 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 clearly is enjoying his time doing this thing he does. And obviously you know why not, right? I mean, I'm sure he takes it seriously, but I mean he just clearly has a has a fun, engaging personality and and a, and a constant smile on his face and. He's putting a frown on the defensive backs, um, making plays down the field. So, you know, I, I've said all along, I think, to me, he's the guy who I think has the highest ceiling as the third receiver. Um, Adam Humphreys, you know, could end up getting the most targets as if he's purely, if Samuel's outside and Humphreys is the slot guy. And Cam Sims has obviously got that red zone size and could be a, a threat. But I think Dami Brown is sort of the complete package. He's got the speed, the route running, can play inside, outside. You know, it's just a matter of, as a rookie, how quickly does he acclimate? He seems like he's getting better um, each and every day. And to stay on the receiver for a second, we saw more, a deeper group of guys running with the ones today. Dax Milne was out there. Diami was out there. Um, I think Steven Sims was out there. Uh, so, uh, and DeAndre Carter was out there. So, you know, this is going to be such a fascinating position. I don't know if anybody I just said beyond Diami is making this team. But they've got a really fun group. We've talked about it a lot. Um, and I wrote a story last week that you can read on The Athletic where I broke down the t- all 12 receivers. We didn't see Isaiah Wright today for what it's worth. We didn't ask Rivera what was with that. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see if he's out here tomorrow. We don't want to speculate, but he wasn't here at least today. Um, so something to keep in mind. Um, this tent is hot, and I'm 
tired of being in it, so I'm gonna cut my observations short there. Um, I will say, if you're into the for my wizards people, I know I haven't been talking about it a ton here. Fred and I, Fred Katz and I, did like an hour long podcast um, after the Spencer Dinwiddie stuff it was a lot of fun. Broke it all down. Um, you can go check that out. It's all pulled up for sure. Um, and so go check that out. Um, but for now, stay right here. Here comes JP Finley. We're gonna talk secondary, Ron Rivera, training camp, and a bunch more here on a Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, joining the, pro- the podcast as promised, Man About Town, Mr. 106.7 The Fan, NBC Sports Washington, most importantly, of course, to my heart, a fellow BCC alum, he is J.P. Finley, uh, former BCC football player too, right? Sort of. Well, I forget. I, what I mean, I was on the team. I never. I don't. I think I went to two football games in high school. Even back then, I was all about college and the pros, and didn't care about our school. Plus, we weren't exactly. They a weren't killer. very good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were. My freshman year, they were good. I was not on that team, but no, we weren't very good either. Um, well, we're going to talk about a team. That when was I about. promised to be on the pot? Yeah. I promised it in the intro <laughs> that you haven't heard. That you haven't heard. Yeah. We, you and I, only made this arrangement about eight seconds. <laughs> um, but uh, you know. Uh, there'll be a nice intro. To All, good. Yeah. All good. Yeah. All good. So speaking of uh, teams that are that, that, that people are hope are good, the Washington football team. We're out here. What is this? Day ten, I think, of uh, training camp. Sunday afternoon. We just got done here. Ron Rivera just talked. Around Payne, Deami Brown. Um, I, I don't necessarily have any one thing that is sort of jumping out at me, but you know, Ron talked was asked a little bit about the depth chart today, and we talked a lot about the receivers. And you know, it's a fun battle. I think the secondary is a really interesting one because I think there's a lot more guys now who have come into play. We've had some fun on the beat the last uh, couple days about uh, a guy like Torrey McTire who's made some uh, plays out here. And, uh, you know, Troy Apke has, I think, is involved at least a few few factory and special teams. And then there's all the obvious names and so on. Is there anybody in this? And Daryl Roberts today I should mention. I thought Daryl Roberts today kind of emerged a little bit. Yeah, he had his best day, I would argue. At least, like, I always like to preface, like, the best day as far as, like, being around the ball. We can't see everything at every second, right. so who knows what's happening on every snap. Or we're well, not and, like, special teams will be so important for those guys, and we're not getting even close to a good look. I think Ron's being honest when he's like, yeah, you know, these three preseason games are going to be huge for, for those guys. Um, I also think it's unfortunate, but injuries are going to be a huge factor. Generally, those emerge and become an issue. Um, I think uh, – I don't know. I thought today was a really good practice for Jimmy Moreland, who didn't necessarily need that, but – Hasn't really flashed a ton. I, I think he's their fourth corner. Um, and today just kind of cemented that a bit. But I think it's also like, how are they going to – are they going to do six corners and four safeties? Like it's kind of traditional. Or are they going to go five and five? Because maybe they have more depth at safety. Uh, and they are, I think they even could go 11. Because, uh, you know, at, at safety in particular, you have more than four to consider. And typically you're going to want to have um, – Six corners feels like the norm. Now, obviously, they do have some guys that can play both spots. So here's what I would say. And I, I, neither one of us have a roster in front of us because I'm, I'm clearly uh, an unprepared podcast host. But off the top of my head, here I would say from a lock perspective, you've got obviously William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Houston corner. Yeah. At safety, you got Landon Collins, uh, Cam Curl, Bobby McCain. Now, I might throw Derek Force in there simply because he was a, a, a draft pick this year. But, you know... I, I don't want to say a lock. If like you say lock, it, I've come up with lock and then near certainty is my next term. <laughs> okay, there you go. So near certainty. So that would be my seven. And then after that, things can get 
getting receivers. Is there anybody else for you that you would put on the lock or the near certainty list? I would put Forrest and Moreland on my near certainty. Just because I, I think they like Jimmy. I mean, what did Ron just say? He's got that he's got, he's got slick. A slick yeah. Um, I mean, how can you not like it? Like from a personality perspective, sure. he's always been a fun guy. I would put them on. I'm not locking them, but near certainty. And I think Forrest, they just drafted. They want him for special teams. I think, like, some of this, I love DeShazer Everett as a human and as a player. I mean, even today, we saw him just pop. Who was that? J.D. McKissick, maybe? Like, he just – he plays reckless. It doesn't always show up in practice, but it's important to have on the field. But if they drafted Forrest to be a special teams guy, like that is what DeShazer excels at most. Um, what happens with Reeves? Um, and then the bottom corners. So the problem I think they have is they have good safeties. Like, they're, like they might go six safeties because they have six good ones or six at least certain NFL players, right? If you count... Collins, Curl, McCain, Forrest, Reeves, Everett. At corner, I don't know that they have any level of the same certainty. Yeah, I mean, if, if I, that's the issue, is like your fifth and sixth corner, assuming you're keeping six corners, which typically you would do, is it Greg Stroman and Danny Johnson again? I can't imagine. I mean, Greg Stroman, I'm not, you know, he hasn't even been out here at all, so I'm assuming he's, he, he's out. I mean, like, I've been going like into camp or like, you know, when we left minicamp, I would have said Daryl Roberts. And Danny Johnson are five and six, and part of Johnson was the kick returner last year, right? And all that, and maybe that is how it plays out. But um, we mentioned a guy like McTire who weren't factoring in. There's also a guy like Cole Luke who was a corner. He is now a safety earlier in camp. Right. He seemed to be around the ball much. And look, I mean, we can quickly have the the Abke conversation. I, I obviously as a pure defensive back, he's shown that he's not NFL worthy. But when you view him as a special teams player, the way we would a Garrett Norris. Uh, or somebody like that. I mean, Danny Johnson played zero snaps at cornerback last year. He was a special teams player. If you view him in that context, he absolutely can can make the team. But you know, if we're going to fill in the position, then you have to do you have to do uh, that. And he does again for better for worse. He can play both positions. It looks like he's done. He's done. He's had some okay plays at, at corner. So I, he had I, a pick today, didn't he? I mean, it was tipped to him, but Abke did. No, oh, Danny Johnson. Danny Johnson yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I I do think it's interesting. I've learned this about. It's like the opposite of Heineke and Everett guys that like their games don't really translate in practice, but they show up in games. After you can practice well, like we've seen him have good camps, right? And I'm just kind of done. I'm out on that uh, adventure. Um, but I hear what you're saying. Like maybe it's premature to just completely write him off. Well, also, and, and what you're, like you said, you're talking about defensive back and the special teams component. Like I would yeah. say this: if Apke, like somebody asked me the other day, is he could he be on the practice squad? I would probably guess no. I think if he gets cut, somebody's going to pick him up to play special teams, just like this team did with Jared Norris, uh, you know, and, and some guys, some guys like that. Um, I, just, but just to sort of t- put it you got a few of these guys you think would get picked up if you try to practice squad them. Who, who would be the other? What, one? Don't you say that about Steven Montez? No. But no. you think they'll have him on the, their practice squad? I just think you logically should have a fourth quarterback. Yeah, on but the no, practice that's squad. a different discussion. You were saying it would be Montez. Because he's their guy. Like, okay, so, okay, we're having these fun arguments out here. If, if somebody else, if another quarterback is getting cut, he clearly is going to be viewed the same way we're all viewing Steven Montez, a guy who's a total project that hasn't shown a lot to play, but, but Steven Montez knows their system. Random quarterback we don't know doesn't. That's all I'm saying. You're going to keep him on the, on the practice squad, not because he's a good player, because he's here. Um, we'll find out. The fact that they are, the fact that they have have used him in special teams drills shows there is at least a willingness of an investment. They're not just simply saying, 
we don't care. They're, they're trying to figure out something. Something may turn to nothing. They're trying to figure out something. Um, just to put a capper on the defensive backs, like this has been a brutal unit. For the, it's been the, it's been the weakest unit on this defense for years, at least in most in most years. And you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say last year number two defense gets the pass in the NFL. The the, the what the, the oh okay well, just saying. I agree with you, but like last year's statistics stood out in a very weird way. Right. I mean, that may not necessarily that may just be sort of a totality of the situation sure. as opposed to the second. And I think obviously Ben DiNucci and Nick Mullins have something to do with it too. Right, and obviously they went out and got St. Hughes, they went out and got McCain's on. But it feels like this for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and, and Jackson, yeah, that they the secondary could be a potential strength after years of weakness. I mean the fact that there's like four, five, six guys at safety there have been some years where, like, who's even starting? Right, 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 right. So, at least I think from that Remember when they signed, like, Dante Whitner late? Like, right, guys right. are coming off the street to start. Right. Um, no, you're right. I think Ron always talks about position flex, and I think they've got some versatile pieces. I mean, if your nickel package is you're relying on St. Juice, but maybe you can help them. But St. Juice, Fuller in the slot, Jackson on the other side. Curl and Collins, like you gotta like that, and maybe it's McCain. You know what I mean? Like you gotta like I how think, that looks. I think that's the five to me. Maybe I do it's too. Not week one, but I think St. Juice has looked good in camp and with his size. And we know Fuller can play in the slot, right? But really, you know, really well. It feels to me like that's the play, and the fact that they've been using Cam Curl at free safety or some. Yep. Just not just just kind of Bobby McCain, but clearly they want Cam Curl on the field. Landon Collins has looked good. I do think that's the five that. Yeah. In time is the is the five. And then if you bring another DB on, maybe that's when you have McCain on the field also in, a, in like a dime package or whatever. And it does – I don't think they're – especially they play a, a lot of zone. Like I don't think they're too worried about, oh, we have to have corners on the field in these situations. When are you playing dime? When it's third and 17 or something? Like it – ideally you're not – I mean, we've seen it a hundred times, so maybe that's silly to say. But like ideally you're not going – getting beat to center field. Right. Um, I want to so, – so we We've seen a, that a lot. <laughs> we, 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 we have. And I was going to mention, like, you know, Matt Ioannidis not out with an illness. We still don't know about Kurt when Curtis Samuels coming back. But one that I mentioned is the Ron Rivera press conference we just had. Um, he, 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 he leaves the podium. He's walking away. We all say in some form, thanks, Ron. And he turns around with, with this whole Jason Garrett and Deion Sanders thing out there with the uh, you know, call me coach thing. And he – Turns around and goes, call me coach, but says it, big smile. Clearly laughing. laughing. Right. He says, I'm even kidding. Look, obviously, it's training camp. This is the relatively light part of the season and all that. And he seems like he's been in a better mood of late. But one, one thing I appreciate with Ron, having covered other coaches in this town, including a guy like Scott Brooks. Like, Scott Brooks would make a lot of dad jokes, but wouldn't tell us anything else otherwise. And um, I appreciate the fact that Ron, like, he, Ron's not giving us blow by blow of everything that's happening, but he gives us enough on some of these guys to give us a feel for what what he thinks is up with Sam, with a Sam Cosby or Deontay Brown or whatever. And then he's quick enough in the moment to tell us that joke. He isn't just so football heavy. He's not that yeah. guy who's in the film room 23 hours a day. He can't think of it. It feels like Joe Judge, every time I see something out of New York, it's like a very, like very serious right. all the time. And I think that's one of the things, why, reasons why I would be optimistic as a fan about this team because obviously you want them to take it seriously, but you, this is a game. It's just supposed to be fun, and you have to have some of that lightness to him. And he has that on the dime. He's able to turn and talk some football, and then 
yeah. being top of mind to have that joke. And I think that's, I think there's like one, maybe it's a good layer, but there's like a layer of confusion a little bit that Ron is still a player's coach. Like players love him. Like he's not Joe Judge where he's like inciting fistfights and stuff. Um, and, and that can work too. Like all of this stuff can, can work. But I think um, players like him because he'll do that with them too. Like he'll get in their ass, but then he'll also joke around with them. And I think that has a lot of value. My take, and not, not, this is not a, a, an attempt to crap on Scott Brooks, but one of my issues constantly was, I think people, you, you've done this now for a long time too, when you talk, even if the coaches want to put on a serious face or whatever, at some point the human side of them is going to come out. They're going to get pissed off, they're going to be in a good mood, and you're going to see a version of them that is, that, that is going on behind the scenes. Sure. And at some point, with my issue with Scott Brooks was, it never changed. He never, his demeanor never changed. He never, he, he was the same guy at all times, which said to me, he didn't have another pitch. And that pitch we saw wasn't working. Yeah. And Rivera does have different pitches. Sometimes he does get not so much mad at us, but he's sure with his answers. He's frustrated. And you can sense that's probably where he's, where he's at with the team on a given day. And then other times he's in, a, he's in a good mood. And I do, you mentioned the players coach thing. I do think in this era in particular, you need to be a human. You can't just totally. be some dictator up there saying, Unless you're Belichick. Out. Unless you have sure. the results six of, rings. Right, right. If, if you have the results. But in a general sense, you need to be that way. And I think that's one of the good things um, about Ron uh, for, for, for this group. Um, yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think, um, you know, like everything, things kind of evolve. Relationships with players evolve. And the only time I think Ron gets testy is when he feels like people are like, questioning his decision making and we'll get there again this fall like inevitably that kind of stuff happens you know and um i there'll be some tense moments i'm guessing uh but in general i think the human aspect is because the difference now for all of us is i mean you did i did we all had our relationship with jay right but then the relationship with bruce for everybody was strained at best if it existed. And with Ron, it's like, so we all had a relationship with Jay and then we were all kind of strained from Bruce. Ron is both of them. He's head coach and boss. And we all have a relationship with him to some degree, maybe some more than others. But like, that's different. And that is understanding how to handle a situation. And I think having somebody in that role with that level of understanding has a lot of value. 100%. 100%. They, everybody knows he's the guy in charge. It's a Jake had to look over his shoulder on, on, on most, on most right. topics. All right, the room JP and I in are, is super duper hot. <laughs> so we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to sit here too much longer. Um, just like his last thing, is there anything for you? We all come in with camp with some thoughts and ideas about what we think may or may not happen, but then things change and you have to evolve. What, what's one thing that you thought going into camp? that now or into this 10 days or so later that maybe you change your mind on. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's your thoughts on, on the team. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't know, the, 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 you know, you're happy with my shoes. My shoes. Uh, They're better. Know. I mean, so all your listeners know Ben is notorious for awful sneakers and Jesus sandals. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think I'll say Cosme. Like, I, I was never down on him, but I thought it was a serious question mark to have a kid – to cut Morgan, Mo- drafting him made a ton of sense. But then you cut Morgan to insert Cosme is a you're, you're put pushing your chips in the middle of the table, and he looked he looked 
not up to par in Richmond, but I, I think he's really coming around. Since the pads have come on, I think he's gotten to look a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, just even today and again, I would, I, I would say with anybody, when you're reading our tweets or whatever, we only see so much, meaning like we can't watch every play. And it's all anecdotal to a degree. But right. it, it, but Chase Young, he was going up against Chase Young a few times in one-on-ones. I thought Cosby more than held his own. I mean, Chase I Young agree. wasn't coming with some like steam on the outside. It was just going straight at him. Sometimes but, it, it seems like Chase is like working on technique stuff sure. and the bull rush could be there. But, I mean, Chase Young is also supposed to be really, really good. One dude, I, I think Montez Sweat has been really, really good. Um, which I not that I didn't expect, but maybe he's even ahead of my expectations were. Um, I think they're asking William Jackson to try new things, but he hasn't been as impressive as maybe we were expecting. Uh, Heineke has not been good, I don't think. Um, and I think Heineke's game might just show up Thursday night. Like, also, dude, Kyle Allen's barely moving around. You got to imagine Fitz doesn't play or maybe plays a series. How much is Heineke going to have to play? You would think it'd be a lot. The whole first half, right? I mean, obviously Montez is there for whatever, but you're right. I mean, Kyle Allen, like a couple days ago, Rivera said is getting is close. He doesn't look. So I don't know if you watched him on the side field. He was doing drop back drills where he looked close there, but just walking, he doesn't look close at all. Right. So yeah, and obviously got to get it back. Got to get back out out here. All right, you mentioned sweat. That's what's happening on the top of my head. So we're gonna go. JP, appreciate it. Obviously, go listen to JP on 106.7 The Fan, Monday to Friday, 10 to 2. Read him on NBC Sports Washington. Anything else you would like to uh, plug or, or address or any? Uh... Nah, man. Always happy to come on. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Many thanks to JP Finley for his time. Um, I, uh, many thanks to, of course, everybody here for checking out the podcast, checking me out all over on The Athletic. Always appreciate the support. For sure, uh, more to go. I'm not going to travel to New England. I'll be on the road for the regular season games, but I'm not going to go to New England. So we'll be watching all that. We'll be watching that one together on TV. But um, we'll see if I have a podcast up before then, or I just wait to react to that. In any case, make sure you stay on the podcast. Uh, follow us on, on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you do your podcasting. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time.